Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Free reign. He was like, Spence, you can, you can talk about whatever you want. And it, it took me a while to really think about what, what did I want to talk about? What could I possibly tell you guys that you don't already know? And the odds are probably not much, but um, I was sitting in the FLC a few, about a month and a half ago, and I was sitting, sitting there, and do you know when you, you zone out? Like, I know, don't even tell me you haven't done this. You zone out, for 15 minutes you have no idea what's going on, right? Bruce was speaking, I'll tell you that. And that's hard to do because Bruce is like, ah! And so Bruce was talking, and I zoned out for like 15, 20 minutes and having no idea what he was saying because um, I saw my last six months of my life really kind of like reveal itself to, to myself. And I lost two grandparents. Uh, I was beside my grandfather when he passed away. And talking about a scarring experience, that was. Um, and then I sat there that same weekend, my girlfriend's roommate, uh, her dad's a cop, and she, he was out on a routine uh, ride along, got a call, responded, and ended up getting shot and killed. And then as I sat there, I I looked up, and I saw a family sitting in front of me who just lost their mother. And all these things started adding up together, and it led me to think about my friend's mom who uh, got diagnosed with terminal cancer, and then uh, another kid I know whose mom is not doing well. And all these things started adding up to me, and I was like, what is going on? Like, we experience hardships and so many different ways, and that was just a six-month period of my life. And granted, a lot of those weren't happening to me, but to people I knew. Uh, and, then I, and then I thought, okay, you know what, let's, let's extend this a little bit. Let's go back five years. What, what have I seen in the last five years that is a hardship, that's a trial, that, that's sorrowful? Um, and it started making me think about this kid I sat with on a dock in Indiana who was bawling his eyes out because he felt alone, broken, abandoned by all his friends. He felt like he was an outcast. I said, okay, there's another example. I sat with this kid on the couch who also felt kind of like an outsider because he acted differently, he, was, he felt a different way, and just felt very alienated. And then I thought about this kid I talked to uh, over the phone, and at 1 a.m. he's talking about how, Spencer, I just, I don't know why I'm here. Like, do I even continue my life? With massive suicidal thoughts, some depression, and just complete abandonment is what he felt. And all these things were like, okay, what is going on? So what is the Lord trying to tell me in this 15-minute period? And I thought, even with COVID, let's, let's take COVID out of the mix here, is as young adults, as, what, 18 to 27-year-olds, 27-year-old, 28-year-olds, um, we experience hardships every day, every month, right? And if not you, someone you know. And so what, what does that look like? Why do we experience these hardships? What, what do we do when we're faced with them? And as I started thinking through this, I'm like, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I think the Lord wants me to say. And hopefully by the end of this, I can give you some confidence, some excitement, and some hope that there is hope in hardships, a.k.a. hope in hardships. I went to a Christian school. Everything's got to have the same letter, right? Hope in hardships, H squared, whatever you want to call it. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to dive into it. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. Uh, thank you for this time that I just have to share what you have been laying on my heart. Uh, share uh, the pain and the trials 
uh, and the struggles that we may have here on earth, but we know that one day these will all fade away. And I pray that if no one hears a word I say tonight, that they hear that you are good, that you are king, and you work through uh, the, the darkest of times. So give me the words to say. Help them not to hear me, but to hear you alone. Amen. So why do we experience hardships, right? What, why do we live our lives and one day we're great and the next day we're like, my whole, world's, my whole world is crumbling? The basic Christian answer is what? Sin. Bada boom, bada bing. I can end my sermon right there. Sin is why we experience hardships. See, when we were created, when God created the world in Genesis, everything was in perfect harmony. Everything was uh, uh, in relation with each other. The birds, the, the mankind, the rivers, the seas, whatever it was, was just like flowing perfect har- harmonious uh, lifestyle. And that is amazing. Even in Genesis 1.31, he can, God concludes, he said, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. It was great. Everything was perfect. As it should be, there was no death, no sorrow, no hardships, no trials, no nothing. It was very good. And I think about this as a, like an artist. Is there any artists here? Right? This is not an experience. Okay, I see a few, like two. I don't know why Mike wrote his hand. So eighth grade, right? I've never experienced this, this idea of creating something, stepping back and thinking, Yep, that's perfect. That's as it should be. Eighth grade art class, uh, we had this assignment to get, we got like these small paintings uh, from famous painters, and our, and our goal was to recreate it on a bigger, bigger canvas or whatever. And so I got mine. I picked mine out. I remember going to the table. I, remember, I can tell you exactly which table it was on. And I picked this one out because it had a cool ship on it, and it had like stars in the background, and I said, this is it. I'm going to recreate this. I sit down, and for weeks, I spent... <laughs> hours every day, or an hour every day painting this picture. So I turned it in. I was so proud of it. A week later, we got him back. And you know how the teacher, like, you know when you did bad on assignment? And the teacher, like, puts the assignment so no one sees your grade, right? <laughs> yeah, so the teacher came by and put it face up where the picture is seen, so the grade's on the back. And I'm, like, pumped. So I turn it around, the big old C in red letters. It's like, good effort. I'm like, okay, whatever. And so that, that's not what God did whatsoever. When he stepped back, from what he created, he saw it was perfect. It was good. Um, however, man disobeyed the Lord. So God said, hey, you can, you can enjoy what I've created. You can uh, live, in, live with the animals, live with the tigers, bears, oh my. Live with the fruit, eat whatever you want, but do not touch this one tree. Don't touch this tree. Don't eat from it. That's the only thing you're not allowed to do. And so naturally, what, what did man do? Hey, look, a tree. So they went over the tree, they ate it, they completely disobeyed God. And in that moment, sin rushed into the world. See, it wasn't the fruit that had this magical power. It wasn't the fruit that said, oh, I eat this and oh, I sin. It was the act of disobedience. So when man disobeyed God, sin rushed into the world, entering in hardships, trials, pains, sufferings, and everything to follow. And you may be asking yourself, Spencer, okay, if God is so good, if he is so great, why would he even put the tree in the first place? Like, what, what was the purpose of the tree? And uh, this guy named Harry Sanders has this cool quote. He says, The purpose was to provide man with a choice, to love and serve God willingly, or to rebel against him and reject the one prohibition he had given him. See, God said, Hey, I want you to love me because you get to choose to love me, not because you're forced to love me like a robot. So the tree was there to give him a choice, and ultimately man f- failed Sin rushed into the world, and therefore, that is why we are experiencing so much sorrow and hardships we do today. 
So that's number one, why we experience it. And that is the root of it all. Number two, why we experience hardships is sometimes they're self-inflicted. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, hey, sometimes what we're going through, is, it's, it's my own fault. Mike told me this once uh, six years ago. He said, Spencer, sin has consequences. He goes, you might not feel it now. You not, might not feel it tomorrow. But there will be a day you will feel the consequences of your sin. And just an example of that is like, uh, in February, I went snowboarding. And uh, my school puts on this, like, ski trip for all the students. And I went the year prior, and it was my first time ever going. I grabbed the snowboard. This was two years ago. Grabbed the snowboard, and I went down the small hill a couple times, the medium hill. And I got pretty good. Like, I want to say I was really good at it. So this year rolls around February, and uh, the school puts it on again. And so I said, hey, Joe, that's my girlfriend. I said, Joe, do you want to come do this with me? I think it would be a lot of fun. She's like, no, I've never been. Like, it might, is it going to be scary? Will I be able to do it? I'm like, you're fine, you're fine. She goes, you know what, it sounds fun. So we got in the car. We drove up to the ski event. I, I get to the, the, the registration desk. I fill out all the paperwork. I slide the paper under this, this doorway, and I walk in. The guy said, hey, have you ever, have you ever snowboarded? I go, please, please, have I ever snowboarded? <laughs> yes, I have snowboarded. He goes, okay, what board do you want? And what I didn't know, well, I do now, is uh, you have medium or beginner, medium, and expert boards. And so my first year I went, I picked the, the beginning, beginner board because it would help you stay up on the board and kind of move around a little easier. So I said, hey, give me the expert board. Give me the, ex give me the, the hardest one. And I tell the guy, I'm trying to do with the jumps. There's like these hills. I'm like, I'm doing these jumps. I'm going to be going backwards. I'm like talking a huge game. And the meanwhile, my girlfriend's like, Spencer, are you sure? Like... I've never, like, I'm kind of nervous. I said, Joe, just stay by me. I'll guide you. Don't you worry. So we go, we go up to the, the hills, and there's three hills. I didn't even know there was a baby hill. And Joe said, let's go on the baby hill first. I said, Joe, what? The baby hill? Like, are we serious? Let's, let's go. Let's start on the small one. Please. No, no. Let's go on the, fine. We'll go on the, we'll go on the bunny hill. So we go over the bunny hill, and this is, this is the pinnacle of my, my pride and arrogance. I brought a GoPro, and I said, Joe, I'm filming you. <laughs> I said, I'm filming you because you're going to fall, and I want it on video. And so I go, okay, you ready? Go, go, go. And I have my GoPro, and she goes down the hill, right down the hill. It doesn't fall. Okay, whatever. I guess it's my turn. I get on my snowboard. I fell three times going down the bunny hill. Three. It's on my GoPro of going and going. It's on my computer right now. I almost brought it just to show you. For the next four hours, I spent three and a half hours on the ground because my pride and my arrogance were so drastically heavy in me. I felt the consequence of my sin very quickly. Not only that, for a long period of time, too, because it was a painful four hours. See, that, that's an example of, you, you can feel the consequence of your sin sometimes immediately, and you know it. You steal, you, you murder, whatever. You might go to jail, bang, you feel the consequences. But where it gets sometimes tricky is you, you start sinning, but you don't feel those consequences in the, in the moment. Right? I, had a, I had a guy once tell me, uh, this was probably seven years ago, uh, when he was in high school, um, him and his girlfriend started sleeping, sleeping around, or sleeping together, right? Having sex, uh, it became a pretty regular thing. He said he remembers the, the paint of the, the room they were in. But a year later, after they, they started messing around and started sleeping together, they broke up. And he said, Spencer, when we did that, 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 that tear in my, my being was so much harder because we slept together. He's like, I didn't feel my sin in the moment because I was enjoying myself. I was enjoying being present. I was enjoying doing the things that I wanted to do. But a year later, when we broke up, 
it became significantly harder because a part of me left. And see, so sometimes we just don't feel the consequences of our sin until much later in our life. And it might not be a year, it might be 40 years down the road. And as young adults, as young people, we want to live in the moment. Like, I'll be the first one to say, I see something, I want to do it. I, wanna, I see something, like, that sounds really cool. We want to live in the moment, but we have to realize that uh, sometimes our decisions in that moment will cause consequences for the future. Um, just even a few verses of this is Proverbs 13. Mike talked about this in um, our decisions a few weeks ago in Proverbs. He was talking about decisions. And it just says, Whoever scorns instruction will pay for it, but whoever respects the command is rewarded. The teaching of the wise is the fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Good judgment wins favor, but the way of the unfaithful leads to the destruction. And Galatians says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. See, if we are constantly living in our flesh, if we constantly are sowing seeds, if we're constantly living to please the flesh, we will reap exactly that. We'll reap mourning. We'll reap regret. We'll reap uh, hardships. We'll, we'll reap bad decisions. But if we're sowing, if we're following in step with the Spirit, if we're doing what the Lord commands, we will ultimately reap eternal life, which we'll talk about later, but that's where our hope lies. And so today our decisions affect sometimes the results. And so we have to be honest with ourselves and say, look in the mirror and says, sometimes this hardship is because I, I screwed up. This hardship is because I, I caused this upon myself. Now, is that every time? Obviously not. Obviously not. Don't think that because this happened to you, you must have done something. Like, that, that is not true. And there's, uh, yeah, that is not what I'm saying. I do not want you to hear that. But we do have to realize that sometimes hardships are because of our own fault. Lastly, lastly and probably my least favorite uh, is trial, or hardships produce steadfastness in our faith. So trials, tribulations produce steadfastness in our faith. So why, why am I experiencing this? Why would God let this happen to me? What is going on in my life? It's to produce steadfastness in our faith. My least favorite verse, simultaneously being one of my favorite verses, is in James. If there's a verse that I could like jump back in time and take like scissors with me to like the original manuscripts and cut out one verse or two verses, this would probably be it. It says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, pro faith produces steadfastness. Are we insane? I mean, count it all joy to meet trials of various kinds because it produces steadfastness? Like, I, sh I should count it joy that I saw my grandfather die? I should count it joy that my mom is struggling with cancer? I should, I should count it a joy that my longtime relationship just ended? I should count it joy, fill in the blank. Like, why would we think this? And in my brain, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, are we serious? But it's to produce steadfastness in our faith. I truly believe that uh, in, hard, in hard times and hardships, our faith, is, it's, it's a make-or-break thing, right? Do we like God because of what he's giving us, or do we love God for what he has done for us? Like, it, it calls our bluff. So when things happen to us, where do we run? Are we running to women? Are we running to men? Are we running to alcohol? Are we running to 
drugs, whatever it is, are we running to empty promises? Are we running to the embrace of our parents? What are we running to? Or are we running to Christ? Are we running to uh, getting on our knees and praying? Are we running to uh, getting together with a group of believers and saying, hey, I need help? Where are we running to? Romans 3 also kind of emphasizes the point, or Romans 5, saying, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, begi- who has been given to us. Again, rejoice in our suffering because it produces endurance. I think of Job, right? I feel like everyone talks about Job when it's hardships or sufferings. It's like, look to Job. But seriously, this dude, he was uh, faithful. He was more righteous than all of us. He was more faithful than all of us. But yet, he had single-handedly the worst day on the face of the planet. Satan came to God and said, hey God, um, the only reason he is faithful to you, the only reason he's, he loves you is because of the things you have given to him. And God's like, okay, come on, try me. Try him, seriously. Put him to the test. And within a day, Job lost all his kids, his property was destroyed, uh, his livestock was stolen, his servants were killed, and his health was attacked. I mean, if that's not a bad day, I mean, I don't know what is. That's pretty much as bad as it gets. And it got to a point, it got so bad where he, he was miserable. In chapter 3, it talks about him cursing the day he was born. I mean, it was, he was faithful, but yet, why was he experiencing all this all this trials, all this death, all this sorrow, all these hardships. What was the purpose of this? In the final chapter of Job, he says, um, you want to pull that up? I know, this is his answer to God. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you will make it known to me. I love this. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. If the most faithful man of his time can grow in his faith through a trial, so can we. If we are put through a trial or a a hardship or whatever it may be, no matter how big or small, one of the main goals is to grow in our faith to the Lord. I had a buddy, as I was talking to him today about this verse, and he said, Spencer, picture it like this. He said, you know God, right? Some of us claim to know God. Some of us love God. And we, we know God. But when we are put through a hardship, that's a different type of no. That's a, that's a different type of relationship. Because at that point, it's just you and him. It's just you and God. It's like, God, what is going on? I, I need you. It shows us how weak we actually are without the Lord. It shows us how much we are relying on our things, on our relationships, on our, on our past, whatever it is, it shows us how much we are relying on things other than the Lord. And so we are called that during these trials, it produces steadfastness. Now, I, I also want to say that is a hard thing to grasp. That is a hard thing that you are going through something that's extremely difficult that you're probably sitting here thinking, Spencer, you don't know what I'm going through. You have no idea what I'm going through. And you're telling me I'm supposed to, this is supposed to, get me closer to the Lord, I am. And that, and that is hard, hard to think about. And so now what? So now that's why we just went over about 
okay, why do we experience hardships, right? Sin, sometimes it's inflicted on us, and ultimately, it's to produce a steadfastness in our relationship with the Lord. So what, what do we do? How do we, when we are faced with a difficult time, a trial, a tribulation, a hardship, what, what is the move? What do we do? Number one, recognize what is going on. Recognize what is going on. Do not push it under the rug. Do not just step past it and be like, oh, no, I'm fine. Um, I think about the scene. Uh, any friends, watchers out there? Okay, one, okay, maybe three, I guess. Four, okay. The count is going up. Um, but if there's, a, there's a scene where Ross walks in on his ex-girlfriend and his best friend kissing. And this girl was like the love of his life. And uh, he walked in on her kissing his, one of his best friends. And uh, when he walked in, uh, he sees that, and both the, couple, the couples kind of stops, and it, it gets silent. And, Ra- and Rachel, the girlfriend, and Joey, the friend, is like, Ross, are you okay? He goes, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't know why I'm talking in a high voice, because I'm fine. Clearly, he is not fine, but he's pretending to be fine. See, one of the, when we are faced with a hardship or a struggle, do not pretend you're okay. Granted, I'll be the first one to say, I am probably more get guilty of this than anyone in this room. I will say I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, until I'm red in the face. But recognize what's going on. And within doing that, be upset. Uh, Ephesians 4 says, be angry. I wish it just stopped there, right? I wish it just said, boom, stop there. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. When something is happening, I don't know if you knew this, as Christians, we're allowed to be upset. That's a crazy concept, but you're allowed to be upset. However, however, do not hear me and just shut off and be like, Spencer said I can go punch someone because I'm angry. No, holy smokes, no. Um, do not sin. I remember uh, my freshman year at Grace, uh, the Lord was not giving me what I want. Don't you hate that when the Lord is just not giving you what you want? And so I was walking on campus, and I mean, I was letting him have it. God, how could you let this happen? Blah, 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 blah. I'm a, I am just going off for a solid 20, 25 minutes. And I, I come to this, this, this uh, lamppost, or not lamppost, a flagpole, and God like, literally stops me and was like, do you know who I am? Like, how dare you say that? And made me realize, like, I crossed that threshold. I was angry because things were not going my way. I was ex- in, a, in a very low, low at the time. But I was, I was enacting my anger in a way that should not have been. So be angry, but do not cross that threshold of sin. And you know where that's at. Like, we, you can know when you are angry and upset, you know when you cross that. Because you're like, oh my gosh, crap. I just did it. I know what I'm, man, I regret that. So be on guard for that. But it is okay to be upset with things that are happening. When someone is dying in your family, you don't go around being like, this is great. Man, this is awesome. No. Like, you can be upset. Number two, grieve it. Grieve what is happening. I, uh, my boss, when my grandparents were passing away, my boss said, Spencer, grieve. Like, you're, it's okay to grieve. Like, you, can, you are allowed to grieve. I give you permission to grieve. And she kept saying that over and over and over. And I didn't really understand what she meant until I sat down. I was like, okay, I'm going to grieve. What does that look like to grieve? And Jesus cried. If Jesus can cry over his friend, uh, I'm allowed to cry. And even in Ecclesiastes, it says, there's a, there's a time to weep, a time to mourn. Grieve what is going on. Do not pretend like you're okay. 
grieve it, cry, mourn. Lord, I do not know what's happening. I am so sad. My soul is downcast. Lord, I can't get through this. I am crying. I'm reaching out to you. Grieve. However, the number one thing, if you hear nothing I have to say, if you've, if you've heard nothing I have said so far, this is the one thing I want you to hear. Do not abandon the hope we have in Christ. And that this is where the hope and hardships come in. And this is, this is the one thing I want you guys to hear. The most important thing, if you toned me out, if you pulled me in at Bruce's message, this is, come back in, this is the one thing I want you to hear. Do not abandon the hope we have in Christ. I'm going to rattle off a ton of, not a ton, a couple verses here. Um, and the first one is Psalms, in Psalms, Psalms 42:11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Then Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Colossians 1.27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Ephesians 1.18, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of the, his glorious inheritance in the saints. And that is what I'm saying. What is this hope? What is this hope that I can have as I watch my grandfather die? What is this hope that uh, I feel abandoned and broken because none of my friends care about me? What is this hope that I can have as I watch my mom dwindle away from cancer? What is this, what is this hope that I can have as my whole life is crumbling down? What is this hope that I can have when I keep getting rejected from job after job after job and cannot find something? What is this hope? Fill in the blank. What is this hope? This hope is Jesus Christ. This hope is Jesus going to the cross, dying for our sins, to get rid of the pain, the suffering, the hurt that we experience. For uh, it is, I gotta read this now because I'm blanking. For if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by the heart we are believed, we believe and is justified, and by the mouth we confess and are saved. This, this is the premise we need to hang our hats on. Th- this, is, this is the life verse that we need to say, hey, if all else fails, I have hope in the cross. If all else fails, I know I am saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17 talks about becoming a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that, that's so cool to think about how when we are saved, we become a new creation. We are no longer bound by the, the chains of sin, by the chains of death. We are no longer bound to that. But we are a new creation. But what is so cool about that verse is we only experience that on a microscopic level right now. We are only experiencing that on such a minute portion of that. Where it really comes into play is when we are in heaven with the Lord. That is when we are completely made new. That is when we uh, completely have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more hardships, no more trials. That is the fulfillment of 2 Corinthians 5.17. See, one of my favorite verses, or I should say chunk of verses that we're going to read, comes from Romans 8. Um, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. 
For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility and not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, and hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in the hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, wait for it with patience. This is what I want to press on to you guys today. Is no matter what we are going through, there is a hope greater than anything we can experience. There is a hope that we will one day be in the presence of the Lord as he wipes away all pain, all tears, all sorrow, all hurt, all suffering, all hardships. That will, be, that will cease to exist. My favorite verse, arguably, uh, comes in Revelation. John is talking about heaven, and he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And here's, here's what's awesome. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, we were not created to experience death. We were not created to experience trials. We were not, we were not created to experience all this hurt and pain. And there will be a day where the Lord says, hey, everything you've ever been through, everything that mankind has hurt, has suffered, it's no more. I will be with you and you will be with me. And we will sit together and I will wipe away every suffering you've ever experienced. And this is the one thing I want you guys to hear tonight. There is hope in our hardships. This is that hope. This is, this is what we need to fix our eyes upon saying, God, I know this sucks right now. I know this hurts but I know there will be a day. There will be a day where all this will fade. Everything I'm going through right now is immeasurable compared to the, the, the newness that I will one day experience. And I do not want to mitigate or downplay how hard some of the things we go through are. I do not want to say, hey, when you accept the Lord and you put your hope in uh, this verse that everything will just vanish and become great. No. It, it, it will still be hard. I do not want to downplay your sorrow or your pain at all and say, hey, uh, yeah, hope in the Lord and everything will be okay. No. But when we do have those hardships, when we do have those pains, this is what we need to cling on to. This is, this is the verse, this is the idea that the cross has made, us an, has made an avenue for us to get to be in dwelling with the Lord as he wipes away all our pain and suffering. And so as Morgan's going to come up here and we're going to sing a song to close out, but I just have a question for you guys to think about, even as we sing, sing the song. Where is your hope? Where do you put your hope into? Is it into Jesus? Is it onto the cross? Is it, is it into this, this glorious dwelling that we will one day experience where there is no pain? Where is your hope at? Are you running towards the empty promises of man? Is there, is there the void that you feel that is empty, that you keep trying to fill it with, money or whatever it is, I have the answer, and it's the hope in Christ. Where is your hope? So as we sing this, think about that song, or think about this, and I'll come up.